Well, this morning, uh, we're going to be in Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. The title of the message this morning is Short-Term Memory Loss. Every time I tell somebody that title, they always laugh. It's going to be a good morning. Already is a good morning. It's going to get even better. Numbers chapter 14, if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. Stand for the reading of God's word out of honor for his word, because it is living and breathing and profitable in every single way. Numbers 14, just verses 1 through 4 is where we're going to be. The word of the Lord says this, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you are moving in our midst. Father, I pray, Lord, that it would not be my words spoken today, but yours spoken through me that those who would have an ear, let them hear the declaration of your word today. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if you're like me growing up, you watched a lot of animated movies. And one of those animated movies you're most likely going to watch, if you're my age, you have kids my age, or even just young kids in general, because it's, I mean, it's a staple, is Finding Nemo. Right? Anybody ever watch Finding Nemo, right? This, this guy tragically loses his son, and he is going across the entire ocean. He's fighting the ocean, essentially, to recapture, come back, rescue his son, right? And there's one person in that entire story that is the, uh, she is, is the friend of, of the main character. And her name is Dory. And Dory is a fish that's a little weird. Uh, she doesn't really remember much. She has short-term memory loss. And the whole, as the, as the narrative continues all the way through the movie, her, her memory only is remembered. She only remembers things as long as the memory is tied to P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney, right? As long as we have this address then she remembers, but everything else she forgets all the time. And she even forgets who Marlon is. She even forgets Nemo. She forgets every single person. She forgets all the information, all of those things, except for that one address. In this passage, we see the Israelites having a bit of short-term memory loss. And a lot of times, you know, we can sometimes have that same thing when it comes to God. In this passage, we see that this is the culmination of the Israelites' rebellion against God. They, they've rebelled before. They've had small little rebellions in the past as, their exodus, as, as the exodus from Egypt happens, as they're going towards the promised land, all of these things. But this is the peak, the climax, the culmination of their rebellion. They're on the edge of Canaan. They're on the edge of the promised land. They're about to go into the promised land. 
And so Moses sends out 12 spies, one from each of the tribes of Israel. And all of them come back, and two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they say, yes, we can go and take it. If God is with us, then we can do this. We can take the land. But 10 of them said, no, 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 this, this isn't a good idea. It, it wouldn't be good. We would die. The people over there are giants. They're, they're, there's no way. We're like grasshoppers to them. Yes, it's, it's wonderful land. Yes, it's flowing with milk and honey, right? All of those things. But the people will kill us. If we go to the promised land, we will surely die. And so Moses and Aaron they decide that, hey, we're going to side with Caleb and Joshua who have faith in the Lord, and this is what God is calling us to, and so we're going to go there. But in the night, the ten that were discouraged went around discouraging the rest of Israel. They went around telling them, this is a bad idea, this isn't good, right? This, this isn't, the, what, Aaron and Moses, they're crazy. There's no way that we would be able to do this. There's no way. And so the next morning comes and all of the assembly is there. All of the Israelites are there. And we see this passage. There's some things in this passage that are of significance in understanding really the depth of the rebellion of Israel. Like the, the really, the, this is egregious rebellion. This is complete rejection of God's redemption. And so there's some things, some details that are significant in that. First off, it was everyone who was rebelling. The, the author is very, very clear that it is every single person, every single Israelite other than Joshua, Caleb, Moses, and Aaron that believed this rebellion, that were part of it. It's not just, you know, the sons of Korah, and it's not just Miriam. It's not, it's not just small little groups that decide to rebel against Moses and Aaron and God. It's the entire assembly. We see this because in three different cases, there's three different terms used in the first two verses of this passage that talk about the assembly. It says this in verse 1, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept. That's one. And then in verse 2, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And it says, and the whole assembly said to them. If it's not clear that this is everybody, then maybe read it again. This is everyone. This is all of the Israelites Grumbling. All of the Israelites are in rebellion against what God has for his people. The second thing is they wanted to go back to Egypt. This was the place of captivity and death for them. If only we could just go back to Egypt, it would have been better for us to die in Egypt. Throughout biblical history, Egypt was a place of captivity. It wasn't a good place to go. Egypt was the place that that Abraham ran to and was held captive in some ways. Egypt was the place that Joseph was sold into slavery as, and eventually all of the Hebrews came. Egypt was the place that even Mary and Joseph went to, only for a time, but thank God they came back. 
Egypt's always seen, it's, it's, a, it's a theme throughout Scripture, but a lot of it is seen as a place of captivity. This was not the place that God had for his people. Even the prophets throughout Scripture, the prophets used returning to Egypt as a synonym for rebelling against God. So rebelling against God, returning to Egypt, are synonymous within the prophetic writings. We see this in Isaiah chapter 30, verses 1 through 3. Isaiah says this, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge, but Pharaoh's protection will, not, will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. Jeremiah 2, 18 and 19 says, Now why go to Egypt to drink water from the Nile? And why go to Assyria to drink water from the Euphrates? Your wickedness, wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. We see this in a couple other places as well. Ezekiel, this theme is in the writings of Ezekiel. It's important for us to understand this, that going back to Egypt is simply us fully rejecting the will of God. It is the rebellion against God. Thirdly, they wanted a new leader. It says that in verse 4. And they each, and they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They wanted a new leader. But Moses and Aaron, they were the leaders that were elected and anointed by God himself to lead his people. But they wanted somebody else. We don't want someone that is going to do what God wants to do. We want somebody that's going to do what we want to do. We want to go back to Egypt. We want to reject the promised land. We want to reject the blessing. We want to reject what God has for us. We want to reject the future that God has. And so because of that, because you, and, because you Moses, and Aaron, actually want that for us, we want a leader that will reject it as well. And then finally... They wish to die in Egypt or in the wilderness. We see this in verse 2. If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. And then verse 3. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword, our wives and children to be taken as, blunder, as plunder? It's important and we see this. Death by the sword. This is war. Death by war. Also, their wives and children to be taken as plunder, taken as slaves. For the people of the promised land. And all of this, I, I read this and I can't help but chuckle a little bit. Because this is the most ironic statement these people could ever make in their lives. The reality is, is that all of this is so ironic. Who sent the plagues to Egypt but spared Israel from the worst judgments? God. But yet God is sending us to a place to die even though... At the very border of our camp, flies didn't come in. Even though at the very border of our camp, none of the hail hit any of our homes, only the Egyptians' homes. Even though during the Passover, God spared our children, our firstborn. Even though when darkness covered all of Egypt, who had lights on in their houses? The Israelites. 
God took care of them, right? Who saved Israel from the swords of Egypt by parting the Red Sea? God. Wasn't Egypt the one that killed the Hebrew children at the very beginning of Exodus? But who was the one that spared the Hebrew children in the households of the Israelites during the Passover? God. Who provided manna in the wilderness for Israel to eat? God. Who brought water from a rock when Israel was thirsty? God. Who provided quail to the Israelites when they grew tired of manna? God. And we can go on and on and on. God has guided, has protected, has provided for his people. And yet in spite of all of this, God's people are completely rejecting the redemption that God has for them. In spite of everything that God has done, we look to the future and say, I'd rather go back. So we sit there and we read this story. And a lot of times we we read this story with a righteous flex saying, are you kidding me? how, How in the world could you think of this? Why in the world would you... Would you do this? Would you turn away from God? You decided right now, after God did all of these things for you, you decided now to turn around and go back? Like at least turn around at the Red Sea. Like at least, at least turn around as soon as you hear that Pharaoh's coming for you. Like as soon as, like just reject after the, after the first three plagues. But now, what is wrong with you? And we, in our minds, we, we look at this passage and so many of us would have the same reaction that Moses and Aaron would have. We see that in verses 5 and 6. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. They're in mourning. They're in agony about this egregious rebellion against God. How could you, if God's blessed you throughout this entire time, how dare you say that God wouldn't do it again? However, the Israelites show us a vital piece of the human condition. The reality is, is we can look at this story and take up this holier-than-thou attitude, but the reality is, is we're just the same. At the Israelites, they show us a very vital piece of the human condition. That when it comes to the work of God, we have short-term memory loss. When it comes to God moving... We have short-term memory loss. And the unfortunate thing is, is that many of us in this room today, we're living this out even now. We sit there and say, well, God saved my family before, but I'm not sure about this time. God moved and delivered before. God delivered me, but he can't deliver my husband God delivered me, but he can't deliver my wayward child. 
God delivered your family, but my family I'm not really sure about. As if God is a respecter of persons. As if God has some favoritism upon people and he doesn't want some to be saved and others not to be. We do this with our future. You know, we sit there and we say, you know, it's, if God, God's gotten me through all these things, and I've, I've come to this point in my life, and he's gotten me through all these, but he's calling me to something that's terrifying, that's scary, that, that I'm not sure I want to go through this open door. Please open up another one that you've already closed. Or maybe it's a change in location, and we're sitting there and saying, you know, God, maybe God's telling us to stay right here. But the reality is, is we want to go change our location because we think sometimes a change of scenery means a change of heart, and that's not true. Just because your backyard changes doesn't mean your life does. Or maybe we'll sit there and, and we'll say, you know what, I'm not going to be completely faithful. Maybe back with the family. Maybe I'm not going to be completely faithful until my husband starts serving the Lord. I'm not going to be completely faithful to what God has for me in, until this happens, right? And then you begin to make a... Sorry, that was, that was loud. Man, good for Oracle, you know? <laughs> maybe we sit there and we say... You know, I'm not going to be fully in for God until he does this. And we start making deals with God. But the reality is, is God's just simply asking us to be faithful. With our family, with our future. Maybe it's with our calling. Maybe, we, maybe God has given us visions of, of what he wants to do. Maybe God has given us, given us a call and, and placed into our hearts what he wants to do. But the reality is, is we want it now. We don't want to go through the process of it. You understand that the anointing has a price and you pay it and it's a steep one we can think oh i want to be called to this yep i'm going to do great things it's going to be awesome but the reality is is every single thing every single step in getting to that point is so that we can actually sustain and be fully into the calling that we have if God gave you every single thing that he was calling you to right now, it would destroy you. We have to trust God. We got to trust the process, right? We can't have short-term memory loss being like, yeah, okay, he was with me whenever he called me over here, but I'm not really sure if he's with me today right now. Maybe it's with our job. Man, maybe you're like, man, I hate my job. I hate this place. I can't stand it. I'm surrounded by heathens and wickedness and darkness, and it is horrible. God, when are you going to deliver me? And God's like, I got you the job in the first place. Why don't you pray for favor? Why don't you start trying to be the light in that dark place? Why don't you have faith that... I put you there for a reason. And so just stay right there for me until I tell you to move. You know, maybe, maybe we have short-term memory loss with our church. 
Oh, I'm not seeing anything good happen. You know, they moved the chairs. I'm not really sure. I don't really know if this is the church for me anymore. I mean, I'm sitting straight, not on a slant. I just... I don't see anything good happening. I don't, I don't see people coming. I don't see... And we can sit there and we can say, man, we look at the future and say, man, God wants to move in Cleveland. And is he really actually going to use Emmanuel to do it? I'm not really sure. I'm not seeing anything right now. Did you know in two years, Emmanuel will be 90 years old? Did you know that? Did you know that Emmanuel is one of the oldest Assembly of God churches in Cleveland? We were a church plant from Lyndhurst. At the corner of Lorraine and West 130th, it was a house church. And then it grew to a tent meeting. And then it grew to being part of a strip mall, right? And then it grew to this. You don't think God sees and knows all of that past and wants to bring us even more so into his perfect will for us? Jesus turned the world upside down with 11 people. We got more than that in here. I'm just, I want to provide perspective for us because a lot of times we can sit there and we can, if we're looking so much so ahead of us, we miss out on what God did in the rear view. That it hurts our faith to see what God is going to do in the future. The devastating thing of this entire story in Numbers is that God said, you know what? You don't want it? Fine. I'll give you what you want. This whole generation, you want to die in the wilderness? You're going to. Forty years. They were there. They were at the door. They were ready to go in. They were ready to step into that blessing, into the promised land. And because they said, I'd rather not have what God has for me. I'd rather just go back into the wilderness and die. And God said, okay, I'll give it to you. For 40 years, they suffered in the wilderness. They even tried afterwards. God, God, disciplined them and and they're like oh no no we we take it back like it's okay like we'll 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 go in and they tried to go in and they were repelled immediately the reality is is that every single obstacle that we go through is an opportunity to either grumble or grovel every obstacle is an opportunity to grumble or grovel Do we want to grumble to God, grumble against God, just because we face something that's difficult, just because we were we're given this choice and and instead we we want to seek comfort over the will of God? And we'd rather grumble because we know God is calling us to something higher or 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 scarier or harder. 
and we'd rather grumble and say, I wish that I was still in that wilderness that I was in before. Or we have a choice to grovel, to say, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, just give me favor in it. God, whatever it is, that we, we bow down on our knees before the Lord, saying, God, whatever it is, I'll have faith because you were with us then, you'll be with us now. Because you delivered then, you'll deliver now. Because you provided then, you'll provide now. Because you saved then, you'll save now. And on and on and on and on. And if you forget, if you ever forget, open your Bible and read it. If you ever forget, if, and, and you ever wonder if God actually wants to do something in your life, if you ever wonder that God wants to deliver you, if God wants to provide, if God wants to give favor, if you ever wonder about that, open your Bible and read it. Because the astounding answer is yes, he does. Maureen, you can come. We're going to have some time this morning for us to simply fall at the feet of Jesus. That's it. Maybe you came in here and you're experiencing some short-term memory loss when it comes to God. Maybe you look at your future and your future is scary and you're not sure if you want to go through with it. Maybe you're looking at the brokenness of your family, the brokenness of your home, the brokenness of the world, your job, whatever that looks like, and you wonder if God's actually going to deliver and save. And you've gotten into this place in this moment where now is the time for you to either sit there and say, you know what, God, I'd rather die in the wilderness. Or, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you. This is a great story about God giving us what we want. The Israelites wanted death and God gave it to them. Choose this morning to fall at the feet of Jesus. Have faith that he will move now as he has done in the past. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to pray and we're just going to open up the altars. And I, and I really, really want us, okay? Like, I, man, if you're going through something, if you've been seeking the Lord for something, if you've been struggling with having faith in what God wants to do for you and what God wants to do for your family, if you've been struggling... And it's not just like, a, it's really easy for us to tell other Christians like, yeah, God is good. He'll take care of it. But on the inside, we're like, are you sure, God? It's easy for me to say that I have faith. It's hard for us actually to have faith. It's easy for us to believe that God is good or, or say that God is good, but actually walking out the goodness of God, that's difficult sometimes. Because the goodness of God doesn't look like mansions and sports cars sometimes. Most of the time, actually. And so, I'm going to pray. And we're just going to spend some time with the Lord. 
man, if you need to go, we have a wonderful amount of room on the sides of the room now. You can walk and pray. We got space here at the altar. I just, I, I want us to do business with God this morning. I want us to lean in. I want us to, even if you're sitting there and saying, I'm having faith, and I, I decided this morning that I was going to have faith, and I decided yesterday I was going to have faith, man, still come to the altar and ask for faith. Still come to the altar and throw it at the feet of him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Come to the altar and put it at his feet, the one who has created us to be masterpieces. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's already planned in advance for us to do. Come and put it at his feet. And feel the weight off of you. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to give it to the Lord. We're just going to say, Lord, I don't want to have a short-term memory. I want to have a long-term memory. I want to know what you did years ago. And I want to keep that in my heart. I want to see what you've done in the past for your church. I'll keep that in my heart, knowing that you're going to do it again. Knowing that you're going to do something greater. Knowing that you're going to do something better for my life. Knowing that my family may have been saved once before and they might have walked away. But you know what? They're going to be saved again and it's going to be greater than the first time that they were saved. Because they're going to be all in. And they're going to be all in for what you have for them. Let's just spend some time presence of God. Let's pray. Father,